You're listening to Better Than Yesterday, a podcast that will inspire the chase to your best self. My name is Angelo Kelly, and I'm a creator who escaped the traditional nine to five. On the show, you'll hear conversations with elite athletes, mindset coaches, and everyday people who talk about their personal journey to a life of passion. I appreciate you guys being here. Now let's get rolling. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday. My guest today is Andrew Benham. Andrew is a current strength coach at Millersville University. He is a former baseball player at Eastern, a teammate of mine, somebody who I admire and look up to. So this one, just editing it back, was uh, really cool to listen to. If you guys are a strength coach or want to be strength coach, you're an exercise science student, this is a must listen. Andrew gives so much value on this episode, and I'm so glad to have him on. So uh, without further ado, let's kick it over to Andrew now. Well, cool, man. Let's uh, let's break down baseball for you. Like, What what made you decide on Eastern? How did you get there? What was uh, your high school baseball experience like? Yeah, so I wasn't a highly touted recruit. Um in fact, I was barely even a high school baseball player. I, I got cut my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Luckily, the place that I trained at was 20 minutes away from Eastern, and the head coach at the time drove down to watch me throw a bullpen. I told him if he took a chance on me, he wouldn't regret it, even though I had absolutely nothing to show for it. And um, when, you know, when I got to college, it presented new challenges. My freshman year, I worked the scoreboard in the outfield more than I even sat on the bench. And of course I wanted to do anything to help the team win, but that pissed me off a lot. You know, it, it wasn't the coach's fault. I just wasn't good enough. And um, my sophomore year, I, I pitched a little more, but not really in any meaningful games. And junior year, velocity and command had increased uh, strength numbers in the weight room were up I started our opening day game in Florida I was getting some non-conference starts and by the end of the season I was getting some conference starts you know and senior year well actually so after junior year I was so fired up that I actually worked myself into a partially torn rotator cuff and I got an MRI and everything and I had to basically take off June, July, August, September, October, November from throwing into my senior year. And in my senior year, I was named team captain, which was awesome. And I ended up throwing a heavy amount of innings after rehabbing as, as much as I, as I could. So I ended up throwing a amount of innings to try and cap off my college career. So what do you think the difference was between your freshman and senior year, like mindset wise? Like, cause, so I started right away. I started all four years. Are we still cutting, having little, little glitch? Okay. Um, yeah, but what's your mindset? Like when you're, when you're a freshman versus when you're a senior, so you're really starting to play more, you're starting to get, get some more innings. So what do you think changed for you? Well, physically, I, I went from having a hitch in my motion to, to having a somewhat efficient delivery and committing myself to the weight room. You know, I trusted our 
then strength and conditioning coach at the time, Ryan Saltzman, that he would have a good plan in place for us. And I put on a decent amount of weight, which only helped my velocity and really overall health. You know, I, I'm sure we'll get into it more, but that set the foundation, you know, having a strength coach for baseball set the foundation for following a regimented program and seeing what can happen to your body if you commit yourself for four years. And, and mentally, I think it was a lot of maturing and gaining confidence. You know, it was my freshman year was a lot of imposter syndrome. It was feeling like I didn't belong. Um, the only thing I knew was how to work hard and I gained confidence from that. Yeah. I love that. And you can tell there's, there's some people in the gym who have it and there's some people who don't like, there's some people who just want to show up and get the work done. And there's, you know, the people that you see always in the weight room. I I feel like there was a crew of us kind of that you would see on Saturday mornings and it's like, okay, I always see Benham or I always see Britain like the end of my career. So, so yeah, I think that's definitely a trait that you have to have. Is that something that you had in high school? Yeah. Like, I mean, speaking from my experience, it was, like I said, like I was, I was fired up because I was tired of getting cut number one and I wanted to make a college baseball pro- program. That was my goal. And, you know, you, you have to become obsessed with it. You know, I, I, that was my mindset. And that doesn't just go for, you know, playing time. My goal was playing time. So I became obsessed with trying to do anything possible to get playing time. So all of my decisions had to be made with the thought of, can this help me get towards my end goal? And I was fortunate that the place I trained at in the off season was close to Eastern. And there were actually times during the year in college where I would drive to the facility at night and get an extra mechanical session in with my trainer. Um, Obviously it was never in season and I would never recommend anyone go do that. I was like, I was a stupid college kid. You know, I didn't know, I didn't have any idea about intensity, volume, any of that, but I just, all I knew is that if someone was going to beat me out, it wasn't going to be because they outworked me. So it, it happened in high school and it translated over to college. What made you even keep going out for the team? Like some people would get cut freshman year and be like, let me try track or let me try a different sport. So what do you think, right. what do you think pushed you to just keep trying? There were, there were a lot of kids in, in at least in my high school who, after they got cut once, they would, like you said, go on to a different sport or just stop playing sports altogether. I had a goal of playing college sports because I knew that, I mean, you can speak for it too. College sports helps people become disciplined. It teaches people work ethic. I learned so much from being a college athlete and I wanted to be able to say I played a college sport, whether it was division three, division two, division one. If you played a college sport, you have my respect because you know what it takes to balance academics and athletics, go to team meetings, go to weight room sessions at six in the morning, you know, and 
I had a goal to do that. And I got a pitching coach sophomore year and he believed in me. And I had a lot of people in my corner that believed in me by no means was I able to do it by myself. I had people in my corner rooting for me who they believed in me. They knew I could do it. And that only helped motivate me. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to hear the right words from the right people. I think we've kind of all probably had that coach who, who really pushed us to do things that we were probably not capable of at the time. But, but you can feel that when somebody actually wants you to succeed, you can feel that I think. Yeah. It's having, having those positive encounters helps you know motivate you and now i'm in now i'm in other the other shoes you know i'm i'm on the other side of things i'm no longer the player i'm the coach so now it's my job to motivate these athletes now it's my job to try and bring out the best in them yeah so so what's that like when you transition from and for people i'll say it in the intro but you're a strength and conditioning coach so so you're not really coaching a specific sport but what was the what was the transition like between, okay, I'm the coach now and not an athlete? Was there like a tough transition where you kind of felt like the athlete or you had trouble relating to your guys at first? So when I first started um, strength and conditioning, it started at at Villanova, actually. And I was an intern at Villanova, and I was still a college student. So I was actually getting a mix of both worlds. You know, I was playing college baseball my senior year, but I was also in an internship at Villanova. So I was a college athlete in the afternoon and I was a college coach in the morning. So I think it actually helped relate to the athletes more because I know what they're going through with the early morning training sessions and having to keep up with their nutrition and having to keep up with their studies. You know, I think being an athlete speaks volumes in the sport world because you can relate and being able to relate is one of the most important things for building relationships. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you, when you have a coach, especially like in the weight room, I want a coach who I know is strong, who I know actually does the work himself. So I think people can can see that from you. They can see your videos or see what the team's posting and be like, all right, Benham's deadlifting 500 pounds. He's doing these squats. He's getting after it himself. So yeah, I trust him. There's a lot to be said for a coach who can walk the walk. You know, obviously if you're, you know, someone with kids or you have a family, you have a lot of other things going on, but there's a lot to be said for someone who can also walk the walk, not just write a program, but also be strong enough to do the program and and do it well. You know, who wants to listen to a coach trying to cue an RDL when they don't know how to properly hinge themselves? It doesn't make sense. Did you go into school with uh, wanting to be a strength coach? Was that your goal when you walked on campus your freshman year? I I was always interested in it. My freshman year, I knew I knew I wanted to do something with exercise science. So 
whether that was physical therapy, whether that was becoming a chiropractor, whether that was become a strength and conditioning coach, I didn't know my freshman and sophomore year. Um, it wasn't until my senior year when I was required to do an internship that I, I reached out to Villanova, you know, shout out to those guys, all my mentors over there, Kevin Miller, Mike Tucker, Colin Masterson, Sean Doherty. I reached out to the Villanova strength coach in the, it was a Sunday. I'll never forget it. It was a Sunday and I emailed him at night around 530 or, or something. And I was like, Hey, my name's Andrew Benham. I'd love to talk. I'm interested in applying for an internship. And he emails me back 10 minutes later and goes, how's 530 tomorrow morning. And I showed up at his door at 515 and that set up for an easy transition to my GA position with my current boss, Kyle Regensburg. I love that. A lot of people would have said like, oh, I'm not ready. Like, give me another week or I got something going on. That's cool that you just showed up and you're, you ask questions later. For sure. It was whether, like I joke around with them now, but whether it was like a test or not, I wanted to show that I was committed and that might've separated myself from the big stack of applications he might've had on his desk, you know, showing someone that you're willing to get up at 5 15 in the morning for a job for an unpaid position nonetheless is would show me this kid knows what he wants and i want someone that's committed enough to do this so what uh what advice would you give to somebody who's going into their senior year they're getting ready for their internship how do you separate yourself from from all the other applications that are there so one thing that I do is I write letters that might seem um, off the grid a little bit, but when, when, <clears throat> when you're a senior applying for internships, I mean, the strength and conditioning world is, it's a tough industry. You know, you, you have to be willing to go where the job is if you want to go up high. And unfortunately you have to be prepared to pack your bags a couple of years later. That's just the nature of sports. We're seeing it in the NFL right now. But going back to if you're a senior in college or if you're 24, 25 years old looking to start your career in the strength and conditioning industry, I write letters because if you email these coaches within three or four hours, your email is dropping to the bottom of their inbox and they're not getting it until the end of the day or they're not responding to it at all at least with these handwritten letters, they see the authenticity. You're taking the time out of your day to write to them, you know, pack it in an envelope, ship it off to their campus. I think that says a lot and it's different. I don't think a lot of people are doing it. And even if they are, it's a lot different than an email. It's a little more personal. I would rather get a letter from someone that's handwritten versus an email. And I've done that to a lot of coaches. And even though the response rate might not be as high, I'm still getting responses, maybe more than emails. Do you have a template that you can give people or is this something that you have to really personalize? Yeah. So I started writing letters about a year ago and it all started with me contacting our HR 
in athletics at Millersville. And I asked if she had Millersville athletic envelopes. So I started with a Millersville athletics envelope. And then I contacted our, some of our head coaches at Millersville. And I said, Hey, do you have mailers for your specific sport? And fortunately enough, they were able to give me Millersville engraved letters. Like for instance, the baseball one had a picture of them dogpiling on the mound after one of their conference championships. And the basketball one had a picture of them celebrating a championship. So they were, they looked official. And then on top of that, I went into my word documents on my computer and created a watermark of a saber M for Millersville and put it in the background on a piece of paper. And I would write on that, put it in the mailer or the envelope that said Millersville athletics and then ship it off. It's just more of more of a chance they're going to read it versus an envelope that just says Andrew Benham on it. They don't know who Andrew Benham is, but if they see Millersville athletics, they might, they might think, Oh, I know someone that goes there or this is from an, this looks kind of official from a university. I'll see what it says. You know, it's just more of a chance they're going to open it instead of putting it in their trash can. <laughs> I love that, man. That's something that's definitely unique. One thing I've been doing. So a lot of times, like when I first started the podcast, I would reach out to people who didn't know me, I don't have a big following, and I would just ask them immediately to come on the podcast. And then I heard one of the the mental conditioning coaches from the Yankees, her name I, I believe is Lauren Johnson. I eventually do want to get her on the podcast, so hopefully we'll look back and I'll be uh, talking about this moment. But she was saying to not ask for anything. Like you have to reach out to people first. And, and a lot of times if I listen to a podcast that I really like, I'll just send them a DM and just say, hey, I loved your podcast. Thank you for providing that content. And that's it. I'm not asking for them to come on the podcast. I'm not asking for their time. It's just about really being genuinely thankful that they put that thing out and I learned something from it. One thing I would say for, or another thing I would say for these up and coming strength coaches in the industry is number one, write letters. It's different. Number two, if you have an end goal, look up. Google is your best resource. There are so many biographies that are written on athletic websites. You can go on their strength and conditioning page and look up how these people got to the position they're in. If you want to be a basketball strength coach, or if you want to be a baseball strength coach, you look up these strength coaches and see how they got there. What was their career path? Another thing, Ange piggybacking on what you said was treat people with respect and don't expect anything in return. I think that goes a long way. It's, it's so much easier to be nice to people. And when you do that, you know, it comes back to you tenfold when you're not expecting it. I think that's huge, but not expecting anything in return is the key. You know, it's putting, putting good content out, sending people a DM and saying, Hey, really, really respect your stuff. Love listening to your podcast. I think that that means a lot to the person receiving it. Um, and who knows, like it may be able to help you out in the long run. You know, another thing I would say is for these up and coming strength coaches is educate yourself on retirement funds, IRAs, Roth IRAs, compound interest. I'm starting to read a lot of books, Tony Robbins for one on setting up 
financial playbooks, you know, setting up a roadmap for your financial, um, you know, trying to set up your, your finances, really. It's trying to do that as early as possible is going to only help you in the long run. Yeah, that's huge. How do you how do you balance that as like an unpaid intern or you're a grad assistant? What are what are you doing to kind of pinch pennies when it's uh, the tough times? You know, it's for me personally, I was lucky that Villanova was so close where I could live at home. But some people are going to different states to go work unpaid internships. And unfortunately, like it's one of the most flawed things in the strength and conditioning industry is working X amount of hours unpaid just in the hopes of maybe getting a job. You know, there's a, there's a ton of people out there who have worked unpaid internship after unpaid internship only to find themselves with no money and no job. So it's a huge risk that you're taking, but it all goes back to who, you know, and making connections and writing those letters and trying to, put out good content. You don't know who's looking at your stuff. You know, you don't know who's looking at your Instagram, who's looking at your Twitter. And unfortunately, like unpaid internships is a flaw, but it's part of the reality. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough industry. Yeah. It's really that separator though. Like you can, you can see, cause a lot of people don't want to, don't want to work for no money, especially you tell me to show up at 5am. Why would I do that for free? Like I think a lot of a lot of college students would say that I'm not going to show up at 5 a.m. and you're not even going to pay me. So what motivated you in the beginning when when it's during that time? So it, say after you get the you get the position, it's not show up at 5:15 on Monday. It's show up at 5:15 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Friday night you got to stay for a basketball game or a football game. And like so, what motivates you during that time? It was, it was definitely exciting when I found out I got the job at Villanova, even if it was an unpaid internship, I was excited to get my feet wet. But like you said, like the real work started when I got the job and I was getting up early in the morning to go work an internship. And then I'd come back and go to baseball practice or go to class. And then, you know, we had lift after practice and, doing doing that five days a week knowing knowing what your end goal is is huge knowing you know setting a roadmap and setting yourself up for short-term goals long-term goals and knowing your why is very important on days when you don't feel like doing it have you read a lot of mindset books like where do you get this from? I feel like I'm talking to like a 35 year old strength coach, not a 23, 24 year old. <laughs> so where do you get this mindset from? Honestly, it, it, it started with being cut from in, in high school. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the cool or sexy way of playing college baseball, telling people that you got cut three years of playing, but that honestly humbled me taught me how to work hard and developed a mindset for myself of no one's going to hand me anything. I need to go out and get it if I want to go do it. So it, it was a blessing in disguise getting cut because it set me up for 
knowing how to work hard later on and setting yourself up with goals and working backwards to try and achieve those goals. Yeah, I just read um, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. And the whole premise of the book is like underdogs win a lot more often than we think. And sometimes it's like way more valuable to be underdog because you have to cultivate that mindset. No one really believes in you. You're getting cut all the time. You're you're not playing much in the beginning. And that kind of that's going to set you up better when you move on to the next opportunity. You know, it's not like you're going to be the main guy right away. You know the value of working your way up the totem pole. So I think that's huge for you. You know, it's reminding myself that, you know, after I'd get cut, it it sucked. But reminding myself that, man, when I accomplish my goal, it's, it's going to make for one hell of a story, you, you know. And it's something that I can use on interviews and, and be like, hey, if – you know, if you take a chance on me, you're not going to regret it because I got cut. I didn't start my freshman year right away. I had to work for what I got and that it applies to the strength and conditioning industry. I didn't get handed a full-time position. I, I had to put in hours unpaid and who knows, like I might have to put in more hours unpaid in the future. I don't know. Um, nothing is going to get handed to you. And if you have that mindset, you won't expect anything. You'll, you'll just work. And if something comes, you'll take it, the opportunity. Perfect. Let's transition a little bit to uh, you're at Millersville right now and you guys have a small staff. So it's just two of you. And I know coach Kyle as well. So what's the, what's the challenge like with that when you're you know, in charge of 15 teams, there's only two people. So how do you guys, how do you guys do that? Yeah. So being, being on a small staff, it, you have to, you know, Kyle, he's an awesome dude to work for. He honestly, he, he gives me so much autonomy. He treats me like another head strength coach and he's such a good dude to work for. Uh, it, you have to make it, you have to make it fun for them, for these athletes with different sports. You know, number one, you have to make it fun for them, but it all, you also have to communicate with the head coaches because a coach for basketball, they're going to want something different than a coach for golf. You know, so you kind of have to, it all goes back to communicating with these athletes. If the basketball team was getting beat on the first step, the previous season, then, okay, we work on explosiveness. If the football team had a recurring theme, then, okay, we hone in on that and try and focus on it. But it's great. I, Kyle's, Kyle's awesome to work for. And, and yeah, it's hard with having a, a two-person staff, but you have to make it fun for these athletes or else – you know, it's, it's going to be tedious and monotonous. Anyone can get them bigger, stronger, faster. The fact of the matter is who can get them to enjoy showing up every day. And I think if you've done that, you've won. Yeah. And you, your goal is not for the football team to win in the weight room. It's not to, yeah, squatting the most amount of weight is going to help them on the field, but it's not a powerlifting competition. It's the football season. So how do you communicate that to your guys? Like this is important 
but we also have to stay injury free and we also have to do things that are conducive to football, not just get swole and be doing bicep curls all day. Right. Understanding that being a weight room warrior is what we, we tend to call it is not going to help you in, in sport. The best thing for being a basketball player is playing basketball. And as much as we hate to say that as strength coaches, it's the reality, but what we do supplements what they do on the field in baseball, football, on the court, in volleyball, basketball, what we do supplements that. So we always need to try and program with that in mind and leave some in the tank so they can prioritize their sport. Have you had any difficulty like going from volleyball to football to golf to baseball? Is there anything that like what resources do you look at when you're kind of breaking down a sport and like what specifically that they need? So we'll conduct what's called a needs analysis. And this needs analysis basically categorizes things like common injuries that happen in the sport, different planes of motion that occur while performing the activities in this sport. And you hone in on that, you know, baseball is rotational. Golf is rotational. Basketball is overhead range of motion. Um, football is, you know, prepping the neck, prepping the shoulder, prepping um, the hips and going from there. It's almost working backwards. What does the sport need? Okay. Then we prep for it. Yeah. I love that. Damn, man, this is this is awesome. I feel like I uh, we're just providing so much value to the up and coming strength coaches. I feel like you're almost giving too much away at this point. So, so how do you stay in the moment? Like you're at Millersville now and everyone knows in strength and conditioning that there's a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of jobs, there's a lot of opportunities here and there. So, how do you want the best for Millersville, but also know that there could be an opportunity down the road. Like, how does that work for you? Being, being where you're being, where your feet are is a phrase that I've tried to implement more in my life because I'm such a type a person and I have to know where my next step is. But the reality is you can't do that if you're not focused on the step you're at in the moment. And that's, one of my flaws, I'm definitely trying to work on it every day, trying to stay in the moment, trying to pour into these athletes at Millersville right now because they are they have my attention. And the strength and conditioning industry is tough because there's, there's a lot of movement that happens based on wins and losses, based on other opportunities, trying to stay focused on where you are at and being able to control what you can control. We talked a lot that about a lot about that with Eastern baseball. Control what you can control. I can't control if a division one spot opens up, but what I can control is doing the very best at Millersville because that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and and people will be able to see if I think I used to have those people in corporate America that are always like plotting and networking and trying to get to the next step. And it's like dude, you're not even doing a good job now. Why would somebody else give you an opportunity? Right. Definitely networking is key, but 
you have to be focused on where you're, what you're doing right now. Like it's, I'm trying to work on different things as a coach, but if I'm not ready for my next position, then, or if I'm, I can't focus on the next position if I'm not good where I'm at right now, you know? So that's kind of my mindset as I transition to the next phase in my life after Millersville. Is there a sport that you're biased to? Like, I know you play baseball, but is there a favorite sport that you have to coach? I think that ultimately like baseball obviously is a bias because I played, but the, all the athletes at Millersville are great. And it's all about building relationships. Um, and all like there, man, we have such a, a, a diverse, you know, personality, di- diverse personalities at Millersville. It's awesome. All these athletes, like I've built such good relationships with them over the past year and a half that I, I I can't choose one sport, but I know that all of the, all of those athletes have made such a big impact on me. It's even, even during these tough times that we're going through right now, even though I can't relate to that, you know, I can try my very best to push their mind and body past what they think they're capable of, have tons of fun in the process and celebrate accomplishments when they happen. So that's, that's what I'm focused on doing at Millersville. Is there anything you guys have done as a staff? Like I know the last year has probably been super difficult with canceled games and seasons and not knowing what's really next. So is there anything you guys have done to keep your athletes motivated and, and want to stay in it? Even if, uh, even if the games or the, the results aren't there. So, yeah, like I said, like in no way can I relate to what these athletes are going through. Some of these athletes are training without even knowing if they'll ever play another competition as a Millersville athlete. That's a tough pill to swallow, you know, but trying to make it fun for them. Like I said before, trying to make it fun for them. I'll do, I'll do mental games with them. Like I have a whole list of, of stupid stuff. Like, Hey, we're going to do 12 jumping jacks. Don't count numbers three, seven, and 10, or, you know, Hey, we're going to be in the push-up position only go down on the second and eighth whistle. And they don't know it. They might not know it, but while they're doing that, they're working on communication, focus, and they're having fun while they do it. So that's something that I throw in at the end of every training session just to try and switch things up. Throughout the course of a semester, training can get tedious, but like I said, it's my job as the strength coach to try and get them to enjoy showing up every day. That's really cool. I would... I would definitely be terrible at that. I'm already confused as to what you just said. <laughs> it all comes with practice. It, I was not good at it, and I'm still not great at it. But reading books, networking with other strength coaches to pick brains and see what they're doing during these times has been huge. I've talked about this with a few different strength coaches, and uh, obviously I can't relate as much because I'm not a strength coach, but the collaboration in the especially in the college world seems awesome where you can you can go to you could probably go to Shippensburg or go to Westchester and those coaches are going to tell you basically everything they know why I don't understand it right well it's it's different from 
it's different from a head football coach to head football coach because it's not a game plan, right? We're we're trying to create the safest environment for these athletes. And if I can help another strength coach that's local or even not local to try and better their program, it only makes for a safer environment. It only makes you better. And with that mentality of trying to make other people better only promotes healthy culture. Yeah, that's good. I like that because uh, now I'm, as an Olympic weightlifter, kind of coaches don't really talk. It's kind of weird. But strength and conditioning, I'm always seeing other coaches on Instagram take stuff from each other, implement something from this coach and that coach. So I think it's really, really cool environment. One of the quotes I always love is I actually posted this on my Instagram is the best coaches are also the best thieves. So we're always stealing stuff from one another. We're always implementing new ideas, new variations. If if you see a new exercise, oh, shoot, I think that would be great for our tennis team, you know, or our softball team. And trying it out first and seeing how you like it and then implementing it with the team can, is only going to benefit them. And then you learned a new exercise that you, you can take with you later on. Yeah, that's cool. Is there anybody who you're looking at on social media? Like, I know you just recently got on Instagram. So who is a good strength coach to follow? That I'm sure there's a lot of them, but like, who can you recommend to people if they're trying to up their game? So number one, the TCU baseball strength and conditioning coach, Zach Decant, posts a lot of great stuff with what he does with his guys. He published a book, Movement Over Maxes, Um, he's great with posting a lot of good content. Another one, one of my former coworkers at Villanova and now friend Colin Masterson, he has an Instagram birdie fitness. He posts a lot of great content every day, different movements that he's doing with his program, why he does it. Explaining why is good for the population because then they know what time of year they can implement it. You know, knowing why, and not just throwing in a exercise into a program keeps you accountable. And one thing I was, I was always taught was never, never put something into a program without asking yourself, why am I doing this? Because if I'm working for a head coach one day, there's nothing stopping him from coming into my office and asking me, why did you put three sets of eight on RDLs? And I, I'm, I have to give him an answer. So being prepared to do that promotes accountability. Yeah, that's good. Do you think about that when you're writing a program for the team, like kind of explaining everything to yourself before you're explaining it to your athletes? I, I definitely do a trial run and I will look, a lot of these teams need to get strong just some of these kids are coming out of high school with no real training background. So the fact of the matter is they need to just get strong and we don't need to throw super cool looking variations into their program that might get you a lot of notoriety on Instagram. They just need to get back to the basics and you're going to see their numbers spike or you're going to see their numbers increase. I'm sorry. And they're going to see their numbers increase and, um, it's, it's going to be beneficial for them, but it's a lot of just going back to the basics for those teams. 
So are you guys doing mostly like squat, bench, and deadlift? Do you throw in some Olympic lifting in there? What's uh, what's you don't have to give away the whole thing, but like, what's a program look like? Say for the football team at Millersville, like what are they right. doing? So, so like I said, going back to that previous question, knowing why you're doing it is huge. Being able to explain that to the athletes and communicate why you're doing it is first and foremost. So, implementing Olympic lifts cleans snatches with the football team is great because they're working in an explosive movement. Some of these linemen are working max effort for five seconds and to work that energy system, we can get the best bang for your buck by cleaning or by snatching. It's an explosive movement. It takes two seconds and we can, we can train that energy system really well. So thinking in terms of what that sport needs aerobically and anaerobically helps a lot. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, this has definitely been super beneficial. I think to any strength coach, this has been super interesting to me. Where can, uh, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? So I just created an Instagram. I'm trying to create a little bit of a following on Instagram, trying to post good content. I'm going to be posting more content once the semester starts, but AJ Benham one on Instagram and AJ Benham one on Twitter. Keep it consistent. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I'll definitely get, get that linked up in the show notes. Hopefully uh, get you some more followers and uh, keep staying on, on the path. I, I look forward to bringing you on hopefully like a year or two from now and see where you're at. Cause I'm sure, sure it may be somewhere different. Man, I appreciate it. Andrew. listen to this podcast a lot. It's awesome. Put out some good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Once again, thanks so much to Andrew for coming on the show. Really appreciated the conversation with him. If you guys like this one, just take a quick screenshot, tag us both on Instagram, let us know what you liked about the show. Again, Benham is always open to DMs as well as me, so our Instagrams will be linked up in the show notes. I got some good feedback the last couple of weeks. I am going to continue in 2021 on the solo episodes on Friday. So be on the lookout for interviews every single Monday and then solo episodes on Friday. Maybe we'll throw some guests in there depending on how the schedule is going. So thank you guys again for tuning in and I will talk to you on Friday. Take care.